0: Good morning, and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. I'm Susan Thompson, president of your board of trustees, and I am serving as the lay leader today. Chris Jimerson, who is our immediate past president of the board, is serving as your worship leader. First UU is a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to the visitors here this morning. You're invited to fill out a visitor's card found in the back of the pew in front of you, so you will be invited to events for visitors. If you have been coming for a while and you would like to make First UU your spiritual home, we would, be, we would like to invite you to join this congregation. Please speak to the people at the visitor table about how to do that. We come from a long heritage that teaches that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by welcoming the person to your right and left this morning. Okay, if you can please say the words with me for lighting our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, We gather to seek, to find, and to share. Come into the circle of caring. Come into the community of gentleness, of justice, and love. Come, and you shall be refreshed. Let the healing power of this people penetrate you. Let loving kindness and joy pass through you. Let hope infuse you and peace be the law of your heart. In this human circle, caring is a calling. All of us are called. So come into the circle of caring. Let us say together our mission statement, which is found in our order of service and written on the wall. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. We pray to the angels of our better nature and the still small voice that can speak to us when we feel safe enough to listen. Help us to love people and causes outside of ourselves that we may be enlarged to include them. Help us remember that we are never as alone or as powerless as we think. Help us remember that we can, if we will, invest ourselves in relationships, institutions, and causes that transcend and expand us. Help us guard our hearts against those relationships and activities that diminish us and weaken our life force. And help us give our hearts to those relationships that might, with our help, expand our souls and our worlds. We know that every day, both life and death are set before us. Let us have the faith and courage to choose those involvements that could lead us toward life, toward life more abundant, and help us find the will to serve those life-giving involvements with our heart, our mind, and our spirit. We ask that we may see more clearly in these matters And that we have the will to hold to those relationships that demand and cherish the very best in us. Just those, just that. Amen.
1: The least of things with a meaning is worth more in life than the greatest of things without it. That's a quote from the Swiss psychologist and psychiatrist Carl Jung. Many of the world's wisdom traditions express similar ideas. The Bible speaks of the simple treasures of the heart far exceeding in value those of the material world. Islam embraces modesty and talks of the meaning to be found in doing for others. Many of the Eastern traditions emphasize compassion and the letting go of unnecessary attachments. Anyway, I always really liked that quote, and I had thought I understood it. I found out this summer that I didn't. Not really. Not the way we understand things down deep in the gut, down in the cellular level, in the soul. I spent this summer doing a unit of professional education for ministry students about pastoral care. I was assigned to a group of six other seminary students, three Episcopalians, a Presbyterian, a Catholic, and a Muslim. Sounds like a setup for one of those jokes, doesn't it? Three Episcopalians, a Presbyterian, a Catholic, a Muslim, and a Unitarian Universalist are in a bar. Of course, since we were all ministry students, that never happened. Much. Okay, some of us sometimes. Those Episcopalians, I tell you, party animals. Anyway, we spent the summer learning together while serving as chaplains at local hospitals. I was assigned to Brackenridge Hospital, where I worked on a floor that provided care for people struggling with a number of illnesses. We were also required to take turns serving as the on-call chaplain overnight, covering four local hospitals. During on-call shifts... Our home base would be the little chaplain's sleep room down in the basement of Brackenridge Hospital. Some of my fellow students, the Episcopalians, decided that the sleep room was haunted. <laughs> Being a good rationality-based Unitarian Universalist, I secretly dismissed that notion and did my best to ignore the inexplicable sounds that often startled me awake at three in the morning, uneasy and shivering in the little sleep room in the basement of the hospital. The day before my first on-call shift, I was too slow to react while driving and I hit another car from behind. No one was hurt, but my car was damaged pretty badly and not drivable. We managed to pull the cars off the road into a parking lot and called for a police officer in a tow truck. I was fretting, Fretten about my car. Fretten about how I was going to arrange to have something to drive for the upcoming on-call shift. fretting about how much all of this was going to cost me. But as we stood waiting together... The young guy whose car I had hit asked me what I did for a living, and so I told him about being a seminarian. He said, oh, wow, can I talk to you about something? (laughs) And so that's how it happened that I ended up in a parking lot off North Lamar Boulevard, standing around in 103-degree heat, leaning against my wrecked car and providing pastoral care for the guy whose car I had just crunched. Suppose it was the least I could do. The funny thing was, after listening to his story, my wrecked car seemed the least of things to worry about. By the way, though I've tried to keep the essence of the stories I will tell you today intact, I'm changing enough details to protect the privacy and identity of those involved. The next morning, I arrived at the hospital in my freshly acquired rental car at 8 a.m. My pager went off immediately, calling me to the emergency room. When I got there, a woman was lying on a stretcher holding the body of her 21-year-old daughter. The daughter had just died from injuries she sustained during a car wreck, car wreck in which the mom had been driving. That mom's sorrow filled the air, and for a while, it was all that there was to breathe. Over the next five hours with her and the other family members, there were no words that would console the inconsolable. The only thing anyone could do was just to stay with them. In their grief. And yet, somehow, families hold each other and tell their stories and hold tightly to the love that exists between those who survived and begin the process of honoring the memories of those who were lost. And somehow, they pick themselves up and leave the hospital and find a way to go on with their lives. Their stories continue including those of the ones who were lost. It is a testament to courage and the resilience of the human spirit that defies even the tragic, that overcomes even great loss. Later that day, I went down to the little sleep room, and I called my partner, Wayne, and I said, I need you to stay on the phone with me while I cry. And he did. And I love him so much. You see, that little chaplain sleep room in the basement of the hospital is haunted. It's haunted with memories so strong, losses so profound, yet courage, love, and the will to live on so boundless that they awaken you at three in the morning and demand to be heard. But you know, somehow, so often we miss the things that really matter. Instead, we make the greatest of things out of the stuff that's not really that important at all. In fact, some of the things to which we assign such meaning are actually almost comical if you think about them. Here's just a few examples of some of the things we make way more important than they really are. That when you really think about how much meaning they truly have, are the least of things. Most church budget battles. (laughs) Anything having to do with reality television. What the neighbors think of our car, house, clothing, etc. UT football, don't throw things at me, I like it too. (laughs) Most of the material things in our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we love our Priuses and iPads. I do too. And to a certain extent, enjoying them is great. But we also have to remember what truly brings us comfort and joy and meaning and beauty. And that's where a paradox of the least of things comes in. There are things that can seem so small, so unimportant, yet they can be so meaningful, so powerful, so life-giving. A kind word, a loving gesture, the friend who shows up to visit just when we need them. Prayer. I know. I know, as you use, we often shy away from prayer, and yet... As a chaplain, I was called upon to pray with people and to do so in religious language that you might never hear in a Unitarian Universalist church. And I saw prayer calm the disturbed, bring hope and peace to families experiencing great loss, release the tears that allowed people to finally express their grief so that they could begin to reclaim hope. Here's just one example. Late one evening, I was called to the room of a woman who was too distraught to sleep. She had just made it through a protracted legal battle to regain custody of her children from an abusive husband, only to be diagnosed with leukemia. We talked for a while and she shared both laughter and tears. Finally, she asked if I would pray for her, and I asked her what she would like me to pray for. She answered for God to be with her children. And so we prayed the prayer she needed together. At the end of the prayer, she squeezed my hand and said, I think I can go to sleep now. Later, she said it was the first time she had slept through the night in months. Later, she looked at me one day and said, you know, I'm starting to be able to laugh and tell jokes with my kids again. That one might seem counterintuitive, but it's another of those seemingly little things that can be so meaningful. Humor. So often, humor can bring light into the darkest of situations, bring humanity to people who had been feeling as if they had become their disease. This summer, I got to know an older gentleman who was in for surgery to remove a non-malignant mass attached to his brain. We had talked several times before his surgery. He'd expressed his fears about it and talked to me about some decisions he had made in life that he regrets now. The afternoon after his surgery, I saw him walking around in the hallway with the help of a physical therapist. He smiled, pointed to the stitches on his head, and said, Hey, chaplain, they say I can go home tomorrow. The new brain fits just fine. (laughs) Before I even could think about it, I laughed and said, Well, I hope it works a lot better than the last one did. (laughs) Luckily for me, we had formed a relationship that already included humor, so he returned the laugh. There are so many of those little things that can matter so much. But what it seems to always come down to is loving presence. It always comes back to relationship for love for one another and the sacred, fragile web of existence of which we are part. One Sunday... I brought a young woman back to the intensive care unit to see her younger brother. He had just died as the result of an accident. She had fought with him before he left for work that morning and needed to say goodbye and seek forgiveness before the rest of the family would get there. As we stood by his bed and she spoke the words that she needed to say to him, She suddenly turned and placed her head on my shoulder, cupped a hand over each of my shoulders and collapsed her entire weight onto me. I hadn't expected this and it was as if her body had suddenly become a stone weight and her overwhelming grief was pouring into me through the tears she was shedding on my shoulder. In that moment, I thought I would collapse, too, that I didn't have the strength and that we were both going to fall down in great puddles of sorrow on the cold tile floor of that room in the ICU. But we didn't. And somehow, the experience was as if Something was holding me up so that I could keep holding her up. Rebecca Ann Parker, one of our UU theologians, calls this an upholding and sheltering presence that is alive and afoot in the universe. Others might simply call this God. Still others might say it's some sort of biopsychological reserve built deeply into our DNA that helps us to help others survive so that our species can go on. I'm happy just to dwell in the awe and wonder and mystery of it. I am just grateful for it. I think that it has everything to do with love. That young woman was eventually able to go on, not because of anything I or anyone else did, but because there was love in that room that Sunday, love that transcends everything else, love that upholds us, love that we carry with us always and that is simply present It is there, and we can find it in the least of gestures, the fewest of words, the silences we share when there is nothing to be said, and yet we stay connected with one another nonetheless. Simple, loving presence can be the least of things and yet the most meaningful of things. It is where we find purpose, a comforting hand on a shoulder, a kind word, a meal for an ailing neighbor, just remembering to say, I love you, before leaving the house in the morning. These are where we ultimately find meaning. These are the things worth more in life. For all I know, That loving presence with each other and within all of life and creation is the place where, in the end, we find beauty and truth and joy. For all I know, it is where God lives. Amen.
0: We all have so many needs, a thousand prayers, a thousand needs, that really need only one answer. Let the world not be indifferent. And may we live and be with each other in the way that shows this truth, whatever the day brings, that neither are we indifferent to each other. The offering will now be given and received in grateful appreciation of our shared hopes and values. All blessings on your gifts and all blessings on you as givers. Please join me in extinguishing the chalice. And join me in these words. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth. The warmth of community, or the fire of commitment, these we hold in our hearts until we are together again.
1: As we go forth today, I wish you love, and even more so, I wish you the courage to love and to love deeply. Let us live it in the smallest and the greatest of ways. Let us always be asking ourselves, what would it look like if we were to truly live love? All blessings upon you and yours. Go in peace and love. Amen.
0: This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.